So, um, yeah. Let's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, um, let's just talk. Let's, let's have yeah, a, let's yeah, do okay, a podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I okay. mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, dumb. I'm good with that, I think. It's just, I, you know, the pressure's going to be on, though. Like, we got to make sure we didn't, uh, lose the magic. Oh, trust me. The magic's still here. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we've got two cannibalistic creations to quench your killer cravings. But first, strap on your chainsaw arm and hail to the king, baby, because it's time for Frightful Failures! everyone and welcome to Frightful Failures. I am one of your hosts, Zach Romero. And I am Tian Gagnol. And uh, this has been a long time coming, kids. We are bringing back this show, whether you wanted it or not. And uh, Definitely or not. Definitely, yeah, mostly that. Uh, however, for anybody who did listen to the previous um, iteration of this show, we are changing formats somewhat. Instead of doing this kind of half and half weird uh what's the scientific term for it bullshit uh instead that's what we're gonna, i would have said yeah right we're instead we're gonna be uh going over two full-length feature films uh with a theme and kind of breaking them down and probably mostly shitting on them i would assume uh, yeah yeah I, th- that's safe to say i think and yeah that's uh, that's the big main difference you'll find we're gonna be kind of breaking up the show a little differently for you make it a little bit more listenable so it's not just uh three raw hours of just two assholes talking about half a movie each um i think that uh it'll be a, a little better formatting wise there'll be some surprises some some new things in there um but uh, i mean what else can we say about it i mean i, I think I- that uh so I, I have a different intro I want to do real quick. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Frightful Failures. I'm the ghost host with the most, Zach Romero. Joining me is the ghost host with the most, Tien Gagnol. And, uh, yes, and, and welcome back to the Beetlejuice Hour, um, your all-Beetlejuice marathon. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be comparing the 1988 classic Beetlejuice with the 1988 classic Beetlejuice and just kind of seeing what we find out of there. So uh, yeah. without further ado, let's jump right into Beetlejuice. Let's shake the juice and see what shakes loose. Or yes, whatever. let's shake it and then shake it. <laughs> that's the line, right? Let's shake <laughs> the shake, and then we'll shake some shake. Uh, exactly. So, so we've got two films uh, this episode that we're discussing, and the theme is cannibalism, I suppose. Mm, right? Yes, yeah, yummy. The other yeah. white meat. <laughs> well, that's been frightful failures. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much <laughs> for tuning done. in. Uh, as we said, it was going to be a little shorter, uh, a little more brief. Uh, we we wanted to that's make it more new- listenable. That's the new. That's the new challenge of the show: is whoever makes the easiest joke. The episode just ends right there. There was and nothing so. easy about that. It took all of the courage I could muster to make that joke. <laughs> it was very brave. It was very yes, brave of me to you. say something so uh, thank shitty. Thank you. That's me and Rosa Barks and <laughs> <laughs> the, the heroes of our generation. Okay. Very true. That's okay. if I had to describe you, it would be a hero. So, yeah, uh, so Tien, let's start with your film that you uh, that you selected. For sure. Let's jump right in. 
So, um, we're getting kicked off with a movie called Butcher Boys. Now, um, <clears throat> uh, boy, should have done my research. I don't actually know when this movie came out. Uh, it was recent. 2012. 2012. There we go. 2012. Um, so, a fairly recent film. That's kind of uh, one of the things is we're always going to be picking a more recent film and then a film maybe before 2000. Um, so, uh, Butcher Boys is a very interesting flick. I'll give you a little synopsis of what it's about here. So, Butcher Boys is about a group of cannibals, a group of men uh, living in an urban city. I think it's set in Seattle. Um, and they spend it's, a lot of their time, or at least the... It's, the maj- yeah. it's super not in Seattle. It's super in Texas. Is it really? There's yes. shots of the Space Needle. They talk about the San Antonio Police Department. Okay, well, well uh, okay, listen. One of the things in this movie is that whoever bought their B-roll of the skyline obviously spent a ton for it because they use it throughout the whole movie and they keep showing the Space Needle. So There are definitely a- shades of, of uh, Tommy Wiseau style of editing of the amount of Skyway shots. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, whatever. It's set in San Antonio. It, it actually, it opens in Mexico to sort of imply that there this go. group has lingering effects throughout the world in which they are kidnapping uh, mostly younger people, it seems, mostly younger women, and feeding on them. Uh, the The movie actually opens with a line from uh, A Modest Proposal, the very famous uh, satirical essay uh, that suggests cannibalism in lieu of some of the economic issues that were happening at the time. Um, and so it, it makes the film sound a lot smarter than it is to say that it is a horror <laughs> version of a modest proposal. Um, but you're following a, a group of young people. Um, they're mostly kidnapped. I Three out of four of them are killed uh, in under 30 minutes. So it's mostly just about one girl, our final girl, trying to escape from this uh, subterranean cult of, uh, of cannibals. So, Zach, uh, first impressions for this movie from you. Well, let me ask you this, Tien. Um, did the person writing it, did that play into any part of your viewing of this? Because uh, Kim Henkel was the writer of this movie, and they're also credited with writing the original story for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974. Kim Henkel is my ex-girlfriend, yes. Um, Good. So, so I... did that, but but seriously, did that did knowing that going in affect your viewing of this at all? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Considering I d- did not know that until you said it just now. Uh, it wow. Did not okay. Me. Okay. So this is genuinely interesting because okay. now I feel like we have two completely different viewings of this movie. Um, in what way? What, what would you say is the, what, I, I how can, did it can, affect you? Um, because originally one of the fun facts about this film was that this was written as a sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then for whatever reason, um, it it couldn't come to fruition. So they made changes to make it its own standalone film. So when I was watching this movie, I could not get that out of my head that this was either this was when I was first watching it, I kind of had this thought of like, this is either going to be like a not completely 100% remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or it is a sequel kind of in spirit. Um, and there are certainly elements to that, I think. Um, you've got the fact that a majority of your victims are killed off very quickly, like in the original, um, that is down to the final girl. And not to mention the fact, did it not jump out at you? Um, and again, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm actually genuinely curious. The ending You're of the movie... You're already being a dick. Well, uh, I'm well. a big dick. The ending of the movie, the ending shot, did that not jump out at you as like a big homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre? 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose it did. I mean, it was it was uh, a lot more uh, skyline shots again. <laughs> right. uh, so I, I think I had it more in my head, like, wow, they really, must have really gone. The producer paid for these. He loves them. He wants them used throughout the movie. But uh, th- that is really interesting. I mean, now that you say that, I mean, that does bring up a lot of. Uh, I, I'm I'm re- rethinking the whole movie now. Well, because uh, I was put off the fact that. Oh, see, this is the thing now. Now I feel like I had a very shitty attitude towards this movie and clearly i don't think you did I no think this you is good this is, no this is good i uh, uh well i mean uh, i'm i'm ne- never open-minded going into a movie like this uh i'm i'm always ready to to think the worst of it but but this is good i, I think that this will provide a, a little different uh aspect of uh of of, of kind of how we're looking at this so First and foremost, um, I don't know if you realized when you were looking for a completely legitimate legal copy of this film online that it actually was called Bone Boys Underseas, uh, or Overseas? Underseas as well, in Atlantis. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, overseas, uh, uh, Bone Boys, I believe. It's it's like the Brain Dead, Dead Alive uh, sort of translation where yeah. it was called Bone Boys. So, you know... Googling Bone Boys, I did find a lot of movies. Not all of them were the kinds that I was looking for, uh, but but I have I, no I doubt that at least half lot. of them were more interesting than this film. <clears throat> well, yes, um, for sure. I mean, they were they were more compelling. There were more emotional through lines, you could say, in those. So when we're introduced to our main group of people here, I mean, they are fairly archetypical. Uh, I'd say the the biggest archetype being the the slut. Um, because she is over the top with it, uh, absolutely over the top. Uh, within the first few minutes of the film, after she's uh, you know caught basically turning one of the other characters into a complete cock, that she she says something along the lines of, "If you want to do something and you don't, you're a pussy." Which, honestly, I mean, that's that's you know beyond being kind of mean. That's just a great motivational quote. I, I really right. think so. That should be on. That should be like uh, plastered on like gym walls and stuff like that to yeah. like really motivate people. Absolutely, put it up, up at LA Fitness. So uh, I don't know about you, but I mean these characters. I mean they're they're set up to die immediately. Uh, I'd say even more than a, a, your typical slasher. Well, <sighs> that was a problem I had because again, uh, to to shift gears, I'm watching this film through the eyes of this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or the at least this has close ties to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. So in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, we lose a lot of victims fairly quickly, but we spend a lot of time with them in terms of like riding in the big van and just driving in the middle of Texas. Like we get to kind of know them a little bit more or at least know at the very least that they're not necessarily like bad people. But in this movie, we lost the two bro catalysts so that's two right there the ones who like are ramming our our victims off the road because they groped the slutty girl's ass and then she got very offended by that yes they get killed were you were you at all fooled by that because i have a feeling the movie was attempting to try kind of a a switcheroo with oh are these the bone boys are are these yeah i i kind of felt like that was the case um Mm -hmm. and then they get killed off immediately and then the other two guys that are in the in the car with the two girls are killed off immediately and then slutty girl is dragged off and then final girl is there so it didn't feel so much like in texas chainsaw massacre where it was like oh wow everyone's getting picked off it felt a lot more like well we know we have to have a final girl so we're just gonna throw everything out so that we just have her 
Yeah. It just felt very, I don't know, it felt weird. The, can I, Tien, I have to ask a question. Okay. That I never thought I was going to have to ask in the history of this show. Okay, sure. Does rape not exist in the universe that this film takes place in? It, it has to because when those two guys grabbed her ass at the 7-Eleven, she was like, oh no, I don't like that. Right. Which, but when they get to like whatever storage unit area they're filming in, yes. and she's running away with some of the other people, some of the other victims that are still alive, she puts the brakes on at one point and just sits there and is like, well, I'm just not going to run anymore. And uh, I mean, and the guy's like, well, what are we going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Try to pay them off. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep running. And she still elects to just sit there. She's like, I'm not running anymore. Are you serious? Yeah. This is stupid. Come Whatever. on. Let's go. Fucking stay in here. Come on. Don't be such a pussy. So I'm like, so does rape not exist? Is that not an option? Because if I'm a female and I'm in this kind of situation, I would not be like, well, clearly these maniacs will talk to me. Like they're not going to attack me in any way. Like I just, I was boggled by that character choice. And I guess that's a lot of my problems with this. It's just character choices in this movie were very all over the place. Well, here's the big problem is, and this is sort of jumping ahead a bit in terms of kind of some of the conclusions I had made about this movie by the end of it is that this movie is, it's like definitely like, what did you say her name was again? Kathleen Kennedy? No, Kim Henkel is the Kim, writer. Kim Henkel. She's like an edgelord or something, I think, because <laughs> there's a ton of moments in this movie where they straight up make a rape joke, unabashedly make a rape joke, which is kind of, it leads it to be a little more mind blowing to me that it was actually a woman that wrote this movie because I totally figured this was like a trauma wannabe dude um, mm -hmm. who's trying to get in with Lloyd Kaufman and is writing this very edgy movie where the girls make rape jokes and they're like, they're willing to do whatever to get out of the situation. So I think the rape definitely exists because they reference it uh, more than once. I just think in this universe, all, uh, all girls are just okay with it. I guess uh, that's, it's like a male fantasy universe written by a woman. Well, so speaking of male fantasy, um, one thing that I was bothered by was that all the henchmen, why were they all doing Dean Winchester impressions? Like they're all in like leather jackets. They all looked exactly the same. They really, just, to the point of where I felt like I was watching like a, like a, a later Saw sequel where I literally cannot tell the characters apart because <laughs> they're all like semi-Italian, tall, fit dudes with the same haircut. There's, yeah. there's a point at which there's a bathroom fight between two guys and it looks like it's the same guy fighting each other. It looks like yeah. one of them came out of the mirror and he's fighting a mirror version of himself. And I literally had to rewatch that scene to be like, who won that fight? Who right. was, uh, I, I don't. Well, tell me, tell me more about your thoughts on the film. Because like I said, I have like a whole diet, like we could literally do a whole episode of like why that, like I literally, the, 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 the note I wrote on here was butcher boys, AKA this is why Toby Hooper is important. <laughs> um, I, 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 let's see. Okay. So to trace back a little bit. So when they first meet the butcher boys, which, you know, can you really blame them? I mean, the two bros killed their dog. 
So it's almost like a John Wick, but 10 of them. I mean, they're all dressed in black anyways. You can't truly blame them. I, I you know, for the, I feel like the, the whole killing the dog thing is a staple of you don't cross that line in a film. So once that That's had happened, true. you know, we I guess we had sort of taken their side a little bit. But there's a long chase that ensues that we were sort of talking about there where our four people before three of them are killed off are running through these alleyways of uh, Texas, Seattle. Seattle, Texas. Which, again, there was there was the bakery that was there. So I thought we were going into, like, okay, this is Texas Chainsaw Territory of, like, this group is obviously the behind-the-scenes of a restaurant that's selling human people as barbecue. No, we kill the chef immediately. Or at the yeah, beginning... Yeah, the scary baker comes out. He's got these cookies, and he's being so... Uh, creepy immediately. Uh, like the, I figured, well, boy, they're not bearing the lead at all about the fact that these guys are involved with this baker because he's running out at 11 p.m. and shoving this sheet of cookies into these protagonist faces. And we are to assume, well, he's with the butcher boys. He's going to knock them out with a cookie sheet as soon as nope. they turn around. Nope. Hey, I got cookies. Come on, I'm going to yeah, no, not at all. Just immediately murdered. It's they fine. murder immediately, and, then, and honestly, that guy became the hero of the movie for me at this point <laughs> because this poor baker, he must have been in the red for months with his business, and he decides, hey, I'm going to adopt this new aggressive marketing technique. I'm going to really put myself out there. Signs are not enough. I have to get out on the streets and in the alleyways, the holding these cookies and get them up in my face. That guy deserves a movie, really. I mean, more than the Boner Boys true. do. I think that this guy really deserves a movie all his own well again where I, I i have so much i want to talk about here so so part of the advertising of this movie is the fact that oh it's from the writer of the original texas chainsaw massacre so i did see things that were sort of reminiscent of that especially when our final girl gets dragged into like the seedy underbelly of this group i guess and they're all very outlandish characters you've got like this British guy who seems to be like the head of the household. You've got Johnny Depp. You've got um, lead Dean Winchester. You've got clearly Leatherface who is like chained up. Yes. Um, so a lot of weird characters. You've got the so, mad doctor as well who yes. uh, almost immediately begins cross-dressing. Um, another yes, very exactly. Texas Chainsaw. Who, hey, two, thi- two things. Number okay. one, I did I did enjoy his character a little bit. Yeah. Uh, of, all the, of all the kind of lackluster characters, I did enjoy his. But I also uh, swore that it was Lloyd Kaufman at first. <laughs> yeah, um, that would be great. But, for, for a movie that wants so desperately to be a trauma film, uh, that would be amazing if it was actually Lloyd in it. And at the end of the movie, he just brings the director out in front of the camera and says, you passed. Right. Um, thank you, Uncle Lloyd. <laughs> you anyway, to direct the new Toxic Avenger. Um, but so even though this is supposed to be sort of like a throwback or a spiritual successor to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it felt a lot more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the new generation to me because yeah. it was the the problems I have with that movie are the same problems I have in this movie. Two things. One, we have characters that have too much shit going on to fit in this one movie because especially in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, Matthew McConaughey is such a weird character that you're like, no, no, I would like to see a whole movie explaining what the hell is his deal because Mm. he's got a robot leg that's remote controlled for some reason. He's like the leader of this household 
what the hell is his deal? Well, too bad. We don't have time to go into that. And also, the other problem I have with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 is that it tries to suggest that there's something bigger going on. Because yes. original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's just like, hey, it's a really weird family and people are getting eaten. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, there's like an Illuminati subplot and there's like this idea that, oh, there's something much deeper going on here. It's not just, oh, this family's crazy. And this movie had the same kind of feeling of like, if it's just cannibals, just let it be cannibals. But as soon as they're like, oh, we're like this international group and we supply ba ba ba, and the big fucking reveal that like, this is there's like a veal cutlet under story here because like the final girl they're keeping her alive because she's pregnant and they're gonna take the baby out of her and eat the baby I guess because because yes. it's like veal it's like ooh it's so it's like ooh it's so young and fresh and untampered whatever and as you pointed out earlier Tian ooh how edgy you are like that's just uh, okay yeah like the baby bit didn't bother me so much but but I agree with you completely about uh, loose ends I think that's a huge issue I mean I, I have like a small list of questions I had after this movie of things that the movie itself brought up to us and said hey consider this and then never really touched upon again and one of those is definitely the fact that this whole Illuminati, this whole underground uh, society that they have of cannibals here, they imply several times, I don't know if you got this, that there's something else, perhaps supernatural, going on. They keep talking about some kind of ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, they're referring to kind of uh, preserving the meat in some way. I, I, it, it felt like there was going to be some well, kind of... Well, they talked about, like, drugs. Yeah, talked like about there drugs. Was some kind of and, and, and I felt like I got the impression early on the film, the way these guys were talking about, no, no, hang on, don't do that, leave her for later. I was under the impression fully that we were going to see some kind of eclipse... And then these guys were going to transform into beasts is kind of how it set up, okay. which was not the case at all. I mean, they were absolutely human, uh, but there were these heavy, heavy implications of some kind of supernatural order or, or some sort of ceremony ritual that was going to take place mm -hmm. and never did. No. Um, and I guess that was a big problem for me as well. It's just so much of it was just sort of like, eh, okay, well, whatever. We're leaving that up there. And again, character stuff or they have this big beast chained up. And they keep making references to it. And they, you know, very That's much. That's my favorite character. Well, and they do like a lot of the same stuff that happens in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. There's somebody zapping Leatherface to keep him in line and stuff like that. And they're doing the same thing. Mm. And it's like, okay, what's the origin story there? Oh, there is none. And I guess one way to put it is, you know, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, especially once we get to the actual house, there are so many scenes where things are happening, but there's so much that doesn't get explained. Okay, in terms of setting, uh, the scene in the original where, like, there's the couch that's made out of, like, skin and bone or the, the bird cages with live chickens in them. There's things going on in the background that you're like, what in the fuck is going on around here? But it adds to the general sense of dread of, like, this is this is all bad news. Whereas in, in Boner Boys you had similar setups of like, hey, wait, what is going on here? But there were, it didn't add to the mystique of it. It just added to like, oh, th this feels like it got cut down somehow. Or like we yes. we had ideas and we just didn't finish. Yeah, and that's true. And, and uh, you know, I'm to, to give the movie some kind of credit or at least to not 
totally completely shit on it. I'm certain that that is a very, very subtle line that you have to find that you have to work towards, put time into to make things that are quote unquote random or uh, unexplained deliberate Mm -hmm. instead of just, oh, they ran out of time or, oh, they did this. They didn't have a reason for doing this. They just felt like doing it. Right, exactly. And I I thought the... um the the old man who was greased up with the gun. I thought that was a really interesting... My other favorite character. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting idea, and it almost reminded me of like Dennis Hopper in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where it's like, oh, our hero is equally as crazy. I'm going to dress up as that guy for Halloween. Is that okay? Yeah, go right ahead. Butter yourself up. But like we went nowhere with it. He was like, oh, hey, I'm going to save my daughter and you, and I'm greased up to fit through this hole, and I've got a big old gun. Just kidding. He's killed off immediately. Yeah, she was getting Hannibal lectured. She was done. I don't think even if he had successfully gotten her out of that, that she would have been good to go. No. And then, yes, he's killed immediately. I don't know if you also, noticed Also, her this- character as like the, oh, I'm getting molested all the time, so I'm cool with this like high-stress situation. I was like, what is... Again, Edgy. now that you brought it up... I was going to say, now that you've brought that up, now that that explains so much of my problems with this film, of like, ooh, we're being edgy to be edgy. Now I'm like... Oh, all these stupid ideas are just edgy. Very edgy. She very casually talks about being molested. It's very edgy. Isn't that edgy? Um, uh, uh, There was a moment that I'm not sure if you noticed, and it almost linked to the bathroom fight later, is there's one of the boner boys gets hit in the head while he's pursuing uh, Uh the male protagonists and, like, has amnesia for a second. Or actually, it was one of the girls, actually. It was no, the yeah, final it girl. is, because the final girl couldn't save her brother and, like, bludgeons the guy in the head, and he's going to give her, like, his Illuminati ring or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's suddenly like, whoa, whoa, I'm not going to hurt you. You know, he's, like, taking out his wallet and about to, like, give her his possessions. And then uh, one of the other Boner Boys shows up, sees him, and they have a, the fuck are you? The fuck am I? And then he kills him. And it's that's another sort of loose end. Like, is this something that happens often? Are they brainwashed? And so any like bump on the head will bring them back to reality and they know, uh oh, it's a, you know, category five. Got to put them down, but never explained. And later on uh, for the line of the fuck are you? The fuck am I is so odd. They do the same line in the bathroom fight. When the two Dean Winchesters are about to go at it, they say, the fuck are you? The fuck am I? And I I heard it and I thought, what is this callback? Is, is this like a special language they have in the club? I, I don't understand. It, it, it truly boggled me yeah. that, that they could have such an odd uh, line and, and, and then call back to it and then never explain it. Can I talk about? I'll tell you- oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sure. I was just going to say, I'll tell you, one of the few things that I think did work as a bit in the movie is the part when the finer girl, or maybe it was the slut, one of them, uh, comes up on like a car full of gangbangers. Oh, they yeah. They're like, hey, mama, it's good to see you. You know, come on, come with us. And she's like, please, please help me. And they turn and look, and there's one of the boner boys is walking on the sidewalk. And it's almost like a Friday the 13th bit where it's like the big punks that you'd normally be scared of, like see Jason. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And so all the gangbangers like get in the car and they're like, oh, we'll see you later. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I thought that was a funny, that was an interesting little tidbit. But okay, mm-hmm. so so as I said, the big burden that I was carrying through this movie was like, this is supposed to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre or at least a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre bouncing around in my head. And so finally, honest to God, probably like 10 minutes left in the movie, I go, you know what? This is not Texas 
Chainsaw Massacre. That's not what this movie is. It's its own thing. I just need to accept that and stop trying to make comparisons. And as soon as I said that to myself, we got to the final part of this film, which is a near complete ripoff of the original ending, including final girl running down the road with psychopath running behind her, slicing her on the back. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the movie goes full birdemic. And one of the Dean Winchesters pulls out a rocket launcher Mm -hmm. out of nowhere and tries to shoot the car with the girl, and it does a terrible explosion. Well, they had just survived after effects, so, I mean... Right, clearly. And I was just so dumbfounded by the ending. And I don't know, man. It, like I said, my my overall takeaway was Toby Hooper, so important to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Because these basically covered roughly the same ideas, but were completely different in terms of... Texas Chainsaw Massacre was very new and different and interesting. And the fact that it takes place like almost exclusively in like the scorching bright sun, like it's that movie is so bright. It's almost blinding at times. This movie butcher boys was so dark at certain moments that I literally had to adjust the settings of my TV to see what the fuck was going on at certain points. Yeah, no, uh, and it just felt like a mess. It's interesting that that we had two very different takeaways in terms of uh, what was uh, a pretend Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie versus what I interpreted this was a uh, an audition to be a trauma trauma director. Which Um, your your take is also very valid. Now that I see that, I'm like, yeah, no, very like especially when it comes out at the end and 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 they they bring through the window of this, you know, uh, cannibal home base they've got set up and just start killing random civilians. And the civilians are set up to be like, like it's like death race, essentially. Yeah, like they're like, well, let's see how innocent we can make this civilian look. They're like on the phone with their granddaughter, like, oh, well, I, I hope to see you once I get out of the hospital and, ah! and getting shot in the forehead. Yeah. Like they're specifically designed to be as like offensive and kind of crude as possible with these, these murders at the end. So, interesting takeaways. Uh, well, any final thoughts about um, uh, Boner Boys, Zach? Yeah, I didn't like how this movie looked. Uh, I didn't like... Again, it felt a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, that there was a lot of character stuff here, a lot of stuff that could be interesting in its own film, but because it still kind of wanted to be shackled to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but also wanted to do its own edgy thing, I think was its ultimate downfall. A perfect example. Towards the beginning of the movie... There's cops that are pulling up like, hey, wait a minute. And one of the like boner boys pulls a chainsaw out of the trunk as sort of like a wink of like, yeah, this is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of movie, only to put it right back in and never use it. And it was, and that's what I felt was sort of in its way. Like if they had just from the get go had been like, let's not try to make this Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's just do our own thing with like. If you had given me a movie of just the weird Illuminati crew and, like, explained who they were and what their purpose was, you might have had an interesting story there. But the fact that you were half trying to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, half trying to be the edgiest movie that was ever made, I think ultimately made for just a very bleh experience overall. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think that uh, my my bigger issue, as I said, with some of the unanswered questions, some of the strings that they left for us, for instance, what's the deal with the dogs? Um, the, the inciting incident in the film is a dog getting killed. There's a scene where they pull over and they steal an old lady's dog for the hell of it. So there's Old all lady these... who I believe is the original final girl from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really? I believe that's the same okay. actress. Well, then it's just a cameo, and there's no explanation needed at that point, then. 
So a lot of those questions uh, really bothered me. I will say my, my final thought about the film is that I do hope that every movie has sort of a, an, a completely obnoxious, over-the-top slutty character. Because this one, not only did she offer to, uh, to uh, orally pleasure all of the boner boys in the room when they were about to eat her, but there's a point at which she's grabbed by this little ginger kid who looks like the evil guy from Breaking Bad, and uh, she immediately starts making out with him. Like, that's her first... It, it's her her reflex. Her self-defense mechanism is just to start making out with this guy and hope that that diffuses the situation. Gotta say, tried that myself once when I was getting mugged. You're thinking, how did it go? Well, we fell in love. We date for eight months. He proposes. I say yes. The night before our wedding, he steals the contents of my wallet. Oh. Thanks a lot, Butcher Boys, for ruining another yeah. potential marriage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we'll be back after this break. Hey, hey, this is uh, John and Jack's Creepy Doll Emporium. Uh, yeah, my name's John, and you're going to come on down for all of our creepy dolls. That's right. We've made all the creepy dolls and all your favorite uh social media and movies things like that uh like chucky the killer doll the most famous of our products and annabelle much more recent but more in the zeitgeist i'd say right now and um uh what else john help me out here what other creepy dolls did we make We've got we've got all kinds of dolls. We've got asbestos ridden dolls. We've got dolls that That's just say right. exclusively racial slurs. Those we've are got, very popular right now with with the political spectrum. We've got dolls that will just make unbreaking eye contact with you. They're also yes. known as regular dolls. Regular dolls, but we call them creepy dolls because we're the creepy doll warehouse. We'll uh, we're doing a special prices. right now. Yeah, anybody. Uh, the prices are really good right now. We don't have many competitors, so I mean, like, if you were just a, our, our, our regular dolls, we don't because they're not called regular dolls. But we're, we, there's a little bit of an upsell there. A little bit. We price them a little higher, but but it's worth it because you got our brand. You got it there. You're paying for the brand, okay? And who knows? You buy a regular doll, maybe it'll get possessed by a ghost or something on the way home. You never maybe know. Maybe it will, and if and if not, then you could just like make it up on like an elaborate social media prank on Twitter and and ha- and pretend like you're having some kind of a possession, and then eventually you get a movie deal out of it. Yeah. We- Four nights at creepy dolls. Four yeah. nights at creepy dolls. It's a, you could have a new mobile game. Anyways, come on down. We got a new special right now. We're doing t- two creepy dolls for the price of two creepy dolls. Down by the interstate. As That's soon as right. You... Don't miss the exit. We're there. We're it comes open seven days a week. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Well, thank you for our sponsorship there. Uh, so our second film here to fit with the theme uh, I chose and is 1987's Blood Diner. Uh, and basically the synopsis is uh, two cannibalistic brothers uh, are being led by their dead uncle's spirit, I guess you'd say, to resurrect an ancient goddess of war, I suppose. And uh, to do that, they have to Frankenstein together a female body and create this giant blood buffet 
And by doing these things, it will resurrect this goddess, and I guess they will take over the world? I guess? It's, it's kind of unclear. The The end goal is a little unclear, but it's um, it's a horror film, but it also, I would say, is certainly comedic. It's in, also in a romance. It is a romance, that's true. And uh, so the film, I know we're not doing beat by beat, but the film starts so absurdly, or absurdly, let me use an actual word that exists, so absurdly, uh, the boys, the two brothers, uh, Michael and George, are playing with their toys, and their uncle, Anwar, comes in, who is uh, covered in blood, and has a meat cleaver in one hand, and his genitals in the other, as the movie points out, and... Uh, tells them like, "Hey, here's some amulets. Study your dark arts, uh, and I'll be back later. And you know, we'll make this thing happen." And then he gets killed. And then they dig him up twenty years later and pull his brain, which is still fully intact, out of the corpse and put that in a jar. And voila, he can talk to them now. Yes, and that's the movie. It's a. It, it's conceptually, I'm all there. I'm on board. Uh, this movie was super, super weird. But I super liked it. That's, yes. I mean, it's hard to dislike a movie like this. Now, uh, in that little flashback section, when they are children, uh, Uncle Anwar asks them, like, where is your mother? And they say that she ran out of goddamn tampons. That's true. And you know what? That's the kind of honesty that we're missing in the modern American family. That's a great point. Yeah, just straight. She, and also, she calls them little shits at the beginning. She's like, "Where are you? what are you little shits doing? And I was like, that's about as realistic as life gets. That's really a, a, a realistic look at American life. Mm, absolutely. Um, but, Tien, I want to know, what were your thoughts about this film? So, the, uh, I have to say, I was impressed that the movie is unwavering about its villains because our main characters are the villains of this movie. Yes. These two brothers are murdering innocent people to try to resurrect this goddess. And there's no doubt about it. Like there's no Dr. Pretorius who has to like talk the boys into this or like convince them to sell their souls. Basically. No, from the start of the film, they're like, well, this is what we're going to do. And that's it. And the movie's like, you know, that's what they're doing. They're going to murder these people, Frankenstein, a woman's body together and resurrect this goddess. And and it has no qualms about that. They need no convincing whatsoever. I mean, our introduction to them as adults is them digging up Anwar and some random guy comes over and says, what are you guys doing over here? And they give him a little just light tap on the back of his head uh, with a shovel. And his eyeballs fly out of his head, which is great. Those babies were just waiting to get on out of that They skull. really, they were eager to <clears throat> pop out. They were very eager. Um, I'll tell you this, and I know that this is going to uh, garner your typical accusation of me on this show, Zach. But I thought for sure, and I had to look it up on IMDb, um, I thought that the actor playing Anwar was double cast as the police chief. Oh, yeah, I, I could see that. It's the same exact accent, which is not a super common accent. It wasn't like, oh, it's a French accent or whatever. It's like a very specific Eastern European accent that these two men both have. Oh, Shaitar, why has thou forsaken your servant? George, you fucking moron, listen to your brother. And it, it really made me think, okay, well, is the director also, uh, you know, from whatever country it is? Um, and, and these are just two childhood friends of his. But I really, there was a point even at which their, uh, the dialogue goes straight from Uncle Anwar's head in a jar to the police chief. And it sounded like it was just Anwar continuing to talk. Now, here's my question. 
is that because of bad ADR? Mm. Because this movie has a really weird vocal track to it. And I wonder if the guy who did Anwar's voice did not also do the police chief's voice. You know, that, I mean, that could be, uh, honestly. Um, that that could very well be. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all if they were cutting some corners. But either way, I mean, it's, it's a great dialect. I love it, for sure. Um, it really adds to the film, especially because the two main characters are completely 100% American. So right, it, it's true. not like, oh, this is definitely their uncle. It makes sense. He's just some guy. He might not even yeah. be the real uncle. So, so let's kind of just pick apart random scenes and, and, and character stuff here. So what really stuck out to you in this movie? What was or some things you really took away, good or bad? Well, early before they start um, uh, actually building their real uh, Frankenstein for for the goddess, um, it cuts back into the back of their diner, and they've made a full woman out of just veggies, out of just like lettuce and carrots and cherry tomatoes. And you know what? I mean, this was the 80s. These were desperate times. I mean, Real Doll as a company did not exist back then, and, and you kind of got to work with what you got. So, so I don't blame them for that at all. Um, and in fact, I tried it myself. You made love to a salad woman? Yeah. There's no Were joke there. I just did that. I feel like there's a joke about dressing somewhere, but that's fine. You can um, come up with that later. I will. Um, <clears throat> I have to say, uh, as much as this movie is like, uh, I guess, kind of a shit show in terms of just like, it's all over the fucking place. Mm. I will give it credit. It has a breakneck speed to it and does not ever slow down. Yes. No, absolutely. Which is good because uh, yeah, I would say most of the moments in there, there aren't a lot of moments that happen in this film that seem, let's not say out of place, but let's say uh, unnecessary. There aren't a lot of moments where I think, why did they film that? It all They all just seem like bits. Like they're all just bits that they decided, well, yeah. this would be funny, this would be entertaining, this would be kind of scary. And so they do it. So that, you know, it immediately cuts to um, doing the the naked exercise video and then the boys coming in and blasting all of them to hell. It immediately cuts to a scene in the diner where they're like decking a big fat guy and making him throw up all over the other patrons. Which, side note about that, by the way, uh, just from a special effects point of view very impressed with the first vomit take not impressed with the second one at all yeah that's the true. first one i don't know what they used but it actually came out in like a stream and hit people they definitely the second um, one the second one with the table full of girls was it genuinely was just like a bucket of fake puke because it splattered like in such a wide format that's like yeah, that would never come out of a human being like that. His mouth became as large as a bucket. I don't know what you... <laughs> I mean, that's clearly, yeah. Uh, honestly, though, watching them deck that customer, because when uh, the first time, this guy is sort of a running joke throughout the movie. They keep, like, punching him. Mr. Or, yeah, or... Mr. Vitamin, who's just a big fat guy who keeps eating their food. Yes. Um, and the very first time he comes in, he asks them to change the channel off of wrestling, may I add. And so I yes. think... Zach and myself both had the same thought, which is someone asks you to change wrestling in Zach's case, or a customer asks you for anything. If you've worked in food service, uh, as I have, um, punching a customer. I mean, that's my kink. That's great. Right. That's I, just, I, yeah. I got off during that scene yeah. for sure. Um, no, I, and I have to say just to kind of go back. And again, the brilliance of your mind on this in terms of your evaluation of the, of butcher boys 
is like they were trying too hard to be trauma. This movie was like, no, no, this is what trauma is even without the backing of Uncle Lloyd. Like, yes. this felt like a trauma film. This was like so ridiculous and so like unabashedly absurd. Like they weren't trying to go like, okay, but here we're going to slow it down for a minute. No, from the get-go, they're like, here's our premise. Here's our weird characters. And even though there were characters that were super bizarre, like Mr. Vitamin, the fat guy who just eats there every day, the weird cops, which the one was like the no-nonsense black lady cop and the the weirdly sexual kind of foreign-y looking cop, the, the police chief who was out of control. Like, this movie had nothing but weird characters, but it all sort of coexisted in this really weird world that it was developing. And nothing yes. felt at a place, nothing felt like oh, well, this doesn't make sense with what's going on. Every new crazy character they would introduce, you were like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, why not? And and not to really uh, suck the ghost of this movie's dick too hard, but I think that that's really difficult to pull together to get a, a such a big cast of characters like that and tell all of the actors, like, listen, this is not... Don't don't think of this. Don't go home and write a journal as this character. That's not what right. this is. Um, this is think of Looney Tunes and just bring that into reality. I will say, um, in terms of uh, people getting punched in this movie, they all take the punches really well. I mean, yes. Mr. Vitamin, he recovers immediately. He's like, can I get my check? Um, and then right after that, the scene where the police chief uh, is investigating the naked exercise video massacre, uh, he punches that detective right in the stomach for... Uh, seemingly no reason and he immediately recovers and it's just like all right well let me go grab some evidence over here i mean right. when was the last time you got punched because if i got punched it would ruin my whole month uh these guys yeah. they, they, they recover within a few seconds i got shoved into something uh a month ago and i'm like still in therapy over it so yeah, yeah like it's i'm a i'm a big puss but mm. if i like you said let's not suck the ghost of this movie's dick too hard um this movie is a mess. It's a mess in terms of um, how it wants the audience to feel because our main also, characters. No, go ahead. Sure. I was just going to say, I think that it's also a mess of aesthetic as well, but, but, but uh, in terms of feeling, well, I was just going to say in terms of feeling, <clears throat> I think they needed to commit one way or the other, either make this a super black comedy and make the characters like super um, likable and all that, or, you have them clearly be villainous and you have other people like trying to come in and save the day because they kind of go back and forth of like, well, they're kind of bad. Like Michael punches a girl at one point. Um, he's like hypnotizing people to en encourage them. But George is just kind of a big dum dumb who wants to be a wrestler, uh, which even though I love wrestling, I feel like that's that subplot could have been cut. That wasn't really super necessary. Um, so it just feels like they were kind of in between. They didn't fully commit to like, well, they're going to be lovable and this is a dark comedy. Or it's like, well, they're kind of pieces of shit and this is bad news. Yeah, I, I do think that there were a couple of moments where, uh, and, and they're not, once again, they're not bearing the lead on this at all. So the moments where our final girl, who is uh, the virgin um, that they're attempting to get for this sacrifice, there are scenes where... Uh, one of the main characters, I think it's not Georgie, but it's the other the other one. Michael. Are, 
like yeah are, are leading her out onto the street and and having this sort of cute little flirty conversation with her and saying like listen you know nobody's ever gonna hurt you while i'm around blah 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 but we all know the truth and so uh it's 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 not even like it's dramatic irony like we're on the girl's side because we never see anything from the girl's perspective the movie's told entirely through the boy's perspective it's not like we get to go home with her and and we get to empathize with her and go no no don't write about him in your diary like he's evil we're we don't see that like she's she's an ancillary character that's coming into the scene to meet the boys yeah very true the, the movie's very much like Oh, she's going to be the virgin sacrifice. Well, goodbye. That's it. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Now, you said that this movie's a mess in terms of aesthetic. Uh, let's delve into that a little more. So, I think that um, uh, you discover this kind of closer to the end of the movie, is that early on, you're like, okay, I get it. Um, the sort of aesthetic we're going with this movie is uh, food-based. So, there are deaths that are food-based. There's a girl who gets her head fried in a fryer mm-hmm. and then smacked off of her body. Um, there's all the veggie stuff. There's people getting hacked up. Um, and then, all of a sudden, it gets to the end of the movie that takes place at the prom, and now we're ancient ritual all of a sudden. All of their costumes have changed. The goddess Shiva, the body they've built, is all dressed up. They're dressed up like they're ancient uh, Egyptian sacrifice or something. And it comes out of nowhere. And so, yeah, that's true. so the movie moves from, uh, oh, it's sort of silly hometown diner massacre to full-on satanic sacrifice sort of thing with no transition whatsoever. I agree. I agree with that. Also, uh, so... A couple of things. Number one, what did you think about the makeup and, I guess, quote-unquote, special effects of Shitar, the goddess of war, who they resurrect? Her, 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 her tummy? Her tum-tum, her, uh, her angry teeth. Her Oh, yes. Her, the angry teeth were very good. Her uh, laser, her lightning fingers, uh, mm. her gak dispensary in her mouth. Um <laughs> What, what were you? Also, side note, talking about aesthetic, why are there so many Nazis in this movie? I was just going to ask you, like, did the 80s have a lot of, like, Nazi-themed wrestling icons? Was, no, was that a thing? No, no. We had Middle Eastern, uh, we had Russian, but not a lot of Nazis. There was no, um, there was no wrestler, there was no famous heel in the WWE that was the son of Hitler? Little Jimmy Hitler? No, um... But I have to say, there was that. The the wrestler that George has like a feud with is little Jimmy Hitler. The band that's playing at the end scene when they're trying to do the sacrifice had two Hitlers on backup um, as, you, as, as like you dancers do, yeah. and I think a horn section. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super weird. And I guess if we're going to call a spade a spade, I guess that was the movie also being edgy, like trying to be edgy like... like uh, uh, boner siblings was yes like of just like hey this is absurd we're gonna be because effect- trauma does that too you know they'll do like oh hey here's a nazi thing because that's taboo and we don't care right um so i felt like that movie kind of went that route too um yeah that makes but no sense. so what did you think about the actual reveal of shitar um i think that <laughs> as a general rule if we could just go back in time in the 80s and just whisper in any 80s director here and be like you can't make any sort of CGI look good right now. You can't. Don't make a laser that, come out of anyone's fingers. You let that dream die. Just just do the practical effects. They look fine. 
look it's it's fine it's fine the practical effects look great actually um i got no problems with a big uh mouth tummy a la the thing mm-hmm. did this movie come out after the thing oh shit good question hmm. yeah I, I think the thing was 86 this was 87 this is no, I, I guess uh, that close, you can't even necessarily call it a ripoff. I mean, that means it probably was in production by the time. Well, the no, because John Carpenter's The Thing was released in 1982. Oh my God, I am wrong. Okay, then yeah, it's absolutely a thing ripoff. Um, <laughs> 1,000%. I stand corrected. It's a 1,000% a ripoff. Yes, 1,000%. Um, but I, I, that said, it looked fine still. Um, I don't think they yeah, brought no. in... I, here's, here's the thing um, about that. As soon as uh, she talked showed up uh, and was awoken and and was killing people, that was such a big ramp up of excitement for me because the movie kind of teases with um, the idea that like, oh, maybe maybe the ritual didn't work. Maybe she's not coming back, et cetera, et cetera. And so then suddenly Sheetar wakes up and I'm like, okay, and then, like, she opens her mouth and she has ridiculous shark teeth. And I'm like, yes. And then Gak starts coming out of her mouth for no reason. And I'm like, yes. And then Tum Tum mouth opens up. And I'm like, yes, this is what I came here for. Yes, so it really does, as a payoff for, like, a, oh, we're going to bring her back. Good Lord, does Blood Diner deliver on that payoff? Oh, sure. And it goes full uh, Dead Alive, a giant massacre at the end in terms of the entire dance floor uh, erupting into zombies. Uh, yes. the, the spell has worked. They are all zombies all of a sudden. Um, so it certainly, you cannot say that the movie doesn't pay off. You can't say that the movie has a bunch of ridiculous scenes that lead to nothing. So... Once again, I think we're just kind of sucking the ghost of this movie's dick a, a little too much. Well, let's not let's let's unsuck the dick for a second here. What did you think of the quote unquote twist ending at the end? Um. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. The line that the guy uses when she gets in the car, which is, I wrote it down. Hey, baby! Right before I stick my big sausage in you. That's my new line. I'm going to use that every weekend from now on. Good. Because it was very effective. So to walk everybody through it real quick. uh, So Sheetar gets destroyed. uh, The day is saved. And then there's a uh, woman in a red dress walking down the street. This like weird blonde guy in in a red sports car pulls up. uh, Invites her to get in the car. She gets in. He throws that amazing line at her and asks, what is her name? And then the camera cuts to her, and she opens her mouth, and she has shark teeth, and, she's, and she says, They call me Sheetar. Meaning, okay, Sheetar didn't die, and now this guy's going to be killed, and blah, blah, blah. But the most realistic aspect of it is the guy obviously sees this, continues to drive yes. anyway. Like, he drives off like he sees, the sunset, like, works for me. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he sees the the goddamn devil is sitting next to him <laughs> with a razor-sharp vagina and mouth and goes, well, I'm going to fuck it anyway. I mean, like, I'm not, I came this far. I'm not going to not Wouldn't do you? That. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't, that's the thing to end on. Wouldn't you? I know I would. Yeah, I, um, I do want to uh, do a little test with you real quick. So uh, we're both going to say at the same time, and I'm going to use three words, our favorite scene in the movie. Okay. Um, it's because I think that we're probably going to share the same scene when you really think about it. The, the, the best scene in this whole movie. So I'm composing into three words about what it is. 
So you're ready? We'll count it down, okay? okay? Three, two, one. Naked, you're not saying anything. Well, I don't know what, I don't, I'm trying to think. You're not saying anything. Well, now the first word's already been revealed. It's naked, all right? Well, Let's try I was it again. naked while watching the okay, movie. Okay, yes, and I was in your window watching you. It's my favorite part of the movie. Okay, it's two <laughs> words now. We're going to try this again. All I right. Still, actually, I don't know what you're talking actually about. Actually, speak this time. Say words, please. Okay. Um, okay. Two words for your favorite scene in the movie, okay? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> you're just going to be silent again. I am, because um, I don't know what the fuck you're talking please. about. Two words, okay. <laughs> Two fucking words. I hate you. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. Wiping the slate clean. Okay. Three, two, one. Cave crude. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what you're talking about, though. The I know what you're talking about. Your stupid mysteries aside. Yes, no, that was amazing. And I think that did more for feminism in horror films than any other movie has yes. ever done. Oh my God. Um, just to elaborate a little bit. So he's, uh, uh, I think it's George, George is yeah. going to uh, get another victim. And so he finds uh, a woman that I think we've been introduced to earlier and she's about to get it on with her boyfriend in a cave. I don't know where this movie is supposed to take place, but there's a cave that's accessible to these people. It takes so, place in Seattle, <clears throat> Texas as well. Seattle, Texas, and uh, mm. which is known for its caves, really. They're beautiful. Um, and so they're getting it on. She's fully naked. He comes in. He kills the guy. Um, she backs off from him. He's wielding, I think, a giant baseball bat. Yes. Um, and all of a sudden, she goes full Bruce Lee. She goes up on one leg and even accompanies it with, like, the classic... Just karate noises. And kicks the living shit out of him. And actually fully defeats him like could have killed him there if she wanted to and is only then vanquished by a stalactite falling from the cave and just hitting her right on top of her little noggin no i was so blown away by that scene and then yeah and then he obviously grabs her and they end up killing her but like it unabashedly the movie's like no no she whoops his ass like there's no question about yes. it yes I um, did make a note in here, and, and I hadn't really remembered it until you said it, but I did make a note that just says, the ADR in this movie is something to behold, which I don't recall specifically what made me write that, but you also agreed, so I, I guess the ADR was really bad in this film. The, um, the brothers, it wasn't so bad, but there was a lot of, like, the police chief and Uncle Anwar, there were a lot of times where it certainly felt like this was something else, like that they had recorded additional... Um, yeah. takes after the fact. I think it was definitely a scene where it was obvious that the mouth uh, the, the actor's mouth was saying something very different and yet the ADR was come on baby we gotta get out of here before George shows up. Right. Now um <laughs> No overall though I, I enjoyed this movie terribly much. I thought this was really really great. Um and it, it definitely felt like a trauma-esque film that wasn't necessarily done by trauma in terms of the effects, the characters, the absurdity of it, the bloodshed. It's true. Um, the edginess of it, I felt, was yeah, all very absolutely. reminiscent of I, uh, you know, uh, I, I came away from it a new man, I would say, definitely. I, I came away from it excellent with a new type of dressing for my salad. There it is. There it is. Oh, brought it Lord, back around. That's brought how it you back around. It there it is. <laughs> Any final thoughts about Blood Diner? Loved it. Loved it an awful lot. It was so ridiculous. 
And I think that, so can we compare the two now? Is that is that what we're going towards next? Well, let's take a quick break. Okay. All right, Zach, I figure while we have a minute on break here, um, I was going to go ahead and check our emails real quick. Uh, we get a lot of emails here. Um for a show mostly, that's been off offers. the air for, for a year, it's it, we get flooded yes, an awful lot. We get flooded and we get plenty of offers, mainly from Humongous Studios like, uh, ooh, there it is. Here's one from Disney here, Marvel Studios. This is from Kevin Feige himself. Uh, I'm not surprised, frankly. Zach, oh my God, this is amazing. It looks like you are getting offered a director position on the Red Hulk movie. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, my really God. Putting a bid for that, so that's really I know. I know that you were... Uh, oh, hang on. I just got another email update. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, geez. It seems that they took the offer away from you. They saw that tweet you made. Um, it's, it's the tweet that says... Finally, this country's getting back on track, getting out all these damn Lithuanians, hashtag MAGA. Uh, Zach, I, I mean, I, I can't fault you for, for, for saying it like it is, but I mean, you well, really got to be more careful. You know? Now, I was just checking the Twitter account here and I see uh-huh. uh, a message here from uh, what appears to be the ghost of Walt Disney. What? And he's claiming that in the... He's back on Twitter? Yeah. According to the... Let's see. Okay, so yes, according to this, you are being, they received your application, you have officially been given the green light to helm the gritty reboot of uh, Aristocats, the live action Aristocats. Oh my God, Um, So they said, your vision will be revealed here. Thank Uh, God. So this filming starts next week. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just got another DM. Hold on. What what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Hold on. Oh, they just checked... And they see, oh, they see your live journal post from a few years back about, oh, no. quote, the best part of the MCU is an amazing Spider-Man 2 when that comes, wow, uh, Gwen Stacy finally gets taken out for cucking <sighs> Peter Parker for so long, signed a proud incel. Uh, TN, that's... Yikes! That's that's a little heavy-handed. That's a little they that that cost you your shot. I'm sorry. I'm getting really emotional. Um, I, you know, I mean, I was a different guy back then. I'm still an incel, but <laughs> well, you know what? That's fine. You gotta you but, live how you gotta live. You do. all right? All right. Well, uh, let me. I'm sorry. Let me get back to the emails here. Um, okay. Oh, oh, fantastic. Uh, Disney Studios. All right. Um, so amazing. All right. So. Uh, Mr. Sacramento, we approve your application. Uh-huh. Um, your passion for the Fantasia uh, has been noted, and Absolutely. we are giving you the position on yes. Fantasia 2020. Yes. Oh my God, that is amazing. Uh, that that is fantastic, dude. Um, I am so excited for you. I got a ton of ideas I can pass on. Oh, oh, oh hang on a second. Um, Was it someone oh at the boy. door? Uh, no, no one at the door. Well, uh, what? not the literal door, at least. It seems that I just got a follow up email from Disney Studios. They just saw your tweet. Oh boy, Zach, it says, uh, I mean, have you guys seen the usual suspects? Hashtag stand with Spacey. Oh God, Zach. That's, I mean, that was a different era. That was a different era. This was like five months ago. It's such a different era five months yeah, ago. I, I, uh, I guess, come on. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you about the usual suspects, but like, right. you can't. Right. Well, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. This just came into the, the inbox here. Yes. Okay. Marvel Studios. Beautiful. TN. Ooh. They said they loved your script. 
They're moving forward with Black Panther 2 with you at the helm. Congratulations. Oh, my God. With Breaking Rhea's news. Black Panther? Breaking oh, news. That's oh, wait, fantastic. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, wait a minute. What's up? Did you, did you expunge your previous tweets? Did you clear that out like I told you to? I, I did. I did. I went back uh, at least a couple of years. I mean, Ooh. sure that they wouldn't go back more than a couple of years, I right? See, I see something here. It's a response to another Twitter user. And it says, and I quote, fuck you. I hope you get fucking AIDS, you piece of shit. And as I'm looking here, it was in response to, yes, the Pope. The Pope's uh, Twitter account wishing everyone peace in the coming year. And that was what you responded with. They, that does not look good for Marvel. They are not listen, pleased about that. Listen, have you seen the kind of shit the Pope tweets out? All right. I, yeah, He's mostly just love. For yeah. a long time. Okay. Oof, All right. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry, buddy. You had it. The, the, I, I guess you and James Gunn are going to have to hang out together now because they've basically yeah, just dropped well, that whole script. Okay. Well, listen, I did get one more email here from Marvel Studios. And, um, oh, looks like, oh, man, this is good news. I know that you've been talking a lot about this. So they're giving you the lead on Squirrel Girl. That's okay, good. good. So I've you're going to be directing that. I've got some pretty interesting ideas for that. Ag- yeah. IP. Yeah. I, that's, that's what you've been saying. You won't shut up about it. But, it, oh, no. Um, oh no! Now what? Are they not? Oh did they boy. not like my casting for it? Uh, well, apparently it kind of has to do with its casting because they found your tweet, and you you tweeted this out yesterday. So I don't know what. I mean, you wrote, "Y'all got no idea how bad I want to slime the receptionist from Ghostbusters." Hashtag busting makes me feel good. She's your lead in Squirrel Girl. Why would you post that? Well, first of all. I will never apologize for my lust for Janine. That's just, that's who I am as a person and they have to accept me as, as I am. Um, so I maybe too- wouldn't have cast her as your lead if you, if you knew what, that. This, like 40 year old, this 40 year old actress is not girl. right for this young spry squirrel girl. How dare I, you? I'm sorry. I guess I'm part of the problem with, with casting a middle-aged woman in Hollywood. Uh, I'm part of the problem. Okay. Well, boy, uh, Zach, I think we're really going to need to clean up both of our Twitters here. Oh, uh, it looks like I do have one more email. It looks like uh, Disney Studios. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, looks like Th- that big screen ASMR you... movie I want to make. Yeah, that um, it, it looks like actually, though, um, they're offering you the remake of Song of the South. Excellent. Excellent. No problems here. No baggage. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I maybe would would just pass on that. I think, <laughs> regardless of of Twitter. Anyways, that's well, the wait last till, email. I would say, wait till you see this gritty reboot I have with Uncle Remus, though. It's gonna it's gonna knock your socks off. Yikes! All right. Well, um, that's all the emails we got here, Zach. Let's get back to the show. Okay. Excellent. All right, and we're back. So let's compare these two films. Let's talk about both edgy, edgy movies that we saw. Yes, very uh, one edgy. From, one from 2012, one from 1987. Um, I Honestly, now, I felt like both of them kind of were trying to accomplish the same goal, that they were both trying to tell unconventional stories kind of about family and both tr- attempting to be very, very edgy. Yeah, there was some for sure shock value in there. I felt like... Uh, I should be wearing my trip pants uh, while while watching both of these movies. Um, although the time frame of it, it, it does pose uh, maybe what would be my first sort of question about these, which is, um, what if we just swapped the time frame on these? What if you released 
Boner Boys back in 87 and Blood Diner now? How do you think the perception would change? Great question. And so you're saying the movies basically remain as is? Yeah, the movies are as is. They just, one comes out in 87, one comes out in 2012. I think you would have a much larger cult following of Butcher Boys if it was in 87, because you would almost it would almost be like a gritty remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre at that point because you're talking about um, a 13 year difference. So at that point, I think you'd have a better shot at, at having a cult following because it would be um, a little more different than what was going on at the time. Um, also, also doable, honestly, because everything could basically be practical effects. So yeah, you could almost have gotten away with that. Um, language would have probably been an issue. That would have been my only other thing because they drop a a lot of hard, um, a lot of hard words, a lot of hard owie words in there. Do you think that would have been an issue? I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, a little bit just because that wasn't as prominent in the eighties. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I think that, uh, it's, it's much easier to say that if something was released in the eighties that, you know, at that point, uh, I guess I can't say this for certain, but it's, it's, assumed that there'd be less of a uh, sort of knee-jerk response of calling something hackneyed or old hat. Um, Of course. By that point, you know, in terms of some of the character archetypes that we saw in that movie, you know, I feel like those were just kind of the the way it goes back then. And and you know what? Not to, to like, apologize it away or anything like that, but I think, let's say, for example, the script for Butcher Boys had been around since the 80s. I don't know for sure. I need to do research on that. But if that had been around since then, that would make a lot more sense because that movie would have fit a lot better if it had only been 13 years out. Not everything would have felt as cliched or or overdone or weird. It would have been a lot more like, okay, yeah, this is like a different direction. They're taking the franchise. So I think maybe that is the problem is because it was made in 2012, it's like this is not offering me anything new. It's just absurd and dumb. And we as as a... audience now are looking for a lot more depth in films, meaning, you know, we want backstories, we want explanations. That's why slasher movies have such a hard time nowadays, because everybody wants to know the reasoning why, not just that, you know, people are getting killed. Um, Conversely, I think, so basically my thought process is, if you would put Butcher Boys in 87, Butcher Boys becomes a cult hit. If you put Blood Diner in 2012, Blood Diner gets completely lost. Because you think it'd be lost? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I, no, I, I realize we're talking about uh, six years ago here, so we're not quite at the point of like complete moral outrage uh, at anything that is willing to kind of step over any sort of boundaries at all. I do still think that the the Nazi aspects of Blood Diner, even in 2012, uh, would would have been a big issue. Uh, I I don't think they would have been able to get get away scot free with that uh, at all. But you think it would be forgotten? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it would ever... It obviously would never make it to theater. It would never... uh, It would be like basically like a video on demand or it would be like something shitty you find on Netflix. It wouldn't... It would never get off the ground. It would never get any kind of cult status because there aren't really cult movies anymore. They're, you know, they're, they're just not really existing because there's such an abundance of film. Like, we could do a a show just on shitty low budget films and pick a brand new movie every single week and would have content for the next hundred years. And yes, 
So it's just one of those cases where like it's just going to get lost now. If you release that movie now, it's it's just going to be lost in like a Amazon Prime sort of like it's buried deep, deep down, you know, and that's that. I guess that's true. I mean, we do often forget about like Asylum just because they're not on anyone's radar. But if you want to go and, and buy a shitty knockoff of any major film, it's there. Um, it's there at Walmart. You can absolutely go and get it right now. Um, so, so I suppose that's true. It, there, there's definitely the possibility. I, I want to say that it's just ridiculous enough that it might have either picked up a cult following um, because we're not quite seeing the extent of this ridiculousness. I'd say that true. maybe J-horror is the only uh, area that we're still seeing the level of like frying someone's head and then knocking it true. off. Um, so, so we're seeing that in J horror, but otherwise, I mean, for American horror movies, um, even the low budget, terrible ones, I think they're still gonna, they're, they're trying to go scary more than they're trying to embrace the ridiculous or, or get as creative as this movie does at some point. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, now here's a question for you, Zach. Um, if you were to take one character from both of these films and just transplant them, like almost switch places um, uh, uh, in, in, into the other movie, uh, who would you choose? What character would you put into the other movie to make it more interesting or to you know throw a wrench in the gears? Um, well, I'll tell you that the easiest one, the easiest transition of taking a character from Blood Diner and putting it into uh, Butcher Boys would be Uncle Anwar. Uncle Anwar in the jar if you put him in those scenes with like, it showed like the family underground, you had the weird Cockney guy, you had the Johnny Depp guy, you had the Dean Winchester guy, you had the doctor. If you had that their leader of this body part conglomerate was a head in a jar, I think that would have been par for the course at that point. Cause that movie That's was absolutely being so yeah. weird just for the sake of being weird. That's absolutely what I would say as well. In fact, I would love to see a movie just about the internal power struggle between a head and a jar showing up on their doorstep and saying, I'm the leader of this now, um, and, and just demanding that, that he now run the whole operation. Uh, I think that would be a great movie. I would say that would make for a much more compelling film. Um, as for a character from butcher boys to throw into well honestly the slut gal would have been the easiest transition there because michael and george are supposed to for whatever reason the movie dictates that the frankenstein body that they're put piecing together has to be made from women with loose morals for whatever reason um so she would have been par for the course at that point like if she you know, would have been dragged into Blood Diner, then it would have been like, oh, that's another one of the girls that they have to kill off. Yeah, um, absolutely. That, that would have fit just fine. I'll tell you who I would like to transport is the guy in the chains. Um, okay. But not make any reference to him at all. Just put him in the diner like he's an employee working with the boys and just be like, hey, we got an order up back there and have him ah, ah, just in chains. Gnashing teeth, Sasquatches behind the grill. Yes. That'd be pretty yeah, good. Absolutely. I, I think that would make a, also, a welcome addition. Side note, uh, if you want to completely change the dynamic of uh, Butcher Boys, you switch out the final girl to the karate naked cave girl from Blood Diner and have her yes. just whoop everybody's ass 
in oh that movie. Oh my god. She would kick every ass. Every boner boy would be on the ground bleeding and all have amnesia. Right. Um if if they put naked karate girl in there. That would be an amazing movie. I think that would be uh, that, that, that should be something we should look into is just have an entire movie where it's a big compound of dudes, not necessarily cannibals, but murderers of some sort, essentially put naked uh, cave karate girl into like hostel and have yeah. her just kick her ass. Or the, the fucking, um, the hammer scene from old boy or that fucking yes. hallway fight scene from daredevil. Like yeah, just absolutely. have her naked whooping the shit out of everybody. I agree completely. Now, um, <clears throat> Any further comparisons you think between these two movies? Anything notable to uh, compare about them? Like I said, they're both trying to be edgy. They're both <laughs> trying like this is like both films trauma audition tapes. It felt like, um, and I Very thought, true. and I thought Blood Diner succeeded a little bit more because it felt consistent. Butcher Boys, when they would do something outlandish, it felt out of nowhere. Like, it was just like, wait, what the fuck are we doing? Whereas with Blood Diner, you know, you see the two Hitlers on the backup band on stage. And before you can go like, well, wait a minute. Uh, Sheetar is there with an open stomach mouth vagina and is like bazapping. The, the, the same moment that they show the two Hitlers on the stage and you're like, wait a minute, what? They have the fucking boring guy in the business suit in the crowd. And he's like, this music's really loud. I feel like my ears are going to explode. And then Sheetar zaps his ears with lightning bolts and make his ears explode. Like mm. that's all happening at the same time. Yeah, it's true. You don't have much time to react to the various ridiculous things. There's not much time to question like there is in Boner Boys. Like, well, what is their deal? Do they worship dogs or dogs right. a, a part like, of are, this? Is, or... Are dogs actually important or is that just a red herring? You yeah. know, uh, the even the attacking of the victims in the first place seems random. It seems very random. But then they're like dropping hints about like, oh, well, we know her. She's the da da da. Like she's the goods. Like, well, then was this planned all along? You know. And also, let me let me ask you this, uh, Tien. And this goes back to to just Butcher Boys. Now that you know that this was written as a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Does that make the film make a little more sense in terms of do you see it as a, oh, this is what would happen if the Leatherface family branched out beyond just their home and was like going into the city of Dallas kind of thing? It does. And it honestly, it makes a lot of the loose ends seem to make a lot more sense. Like you wouldn't need to elaborate on some of the things that felt they needed elaboration if it were just the Leatherface family. Mm -hmm. um, and... And it honestly, it makes the film seem a lot more lazy. I mean, initially, I'm like, well, this is interesting. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming up with this sort of... Because you see it very briefly, but, you know, when you peek into the other rooms in their lair, I mean, it's like full gala in yeah. there. You know, there's people wearing, you know, full tuxedos, dining on human flesh in there. And so for a moment, it's, oh, well, this is interesting. But but hearing that it was just a simple overlay over, hey, we don't have the rights to do a Leatherface mo uh, uh, movie. We can't do Texas Chainsaw. Um, then it's it's lazy. I don't know. It's you should have just either. I, I don't know. I feel like there are so many scripts in Hollywood that get completely abandoned. I don't understand how you could have a script where they lose the rights to it and they insist we're we're making it still. 
I mean, there are so many scripts that never get made ever in any iteration. I understand why they, they, they had to keep this script and and just roll with it and adjust it. Though they couldn't start from the beginning. Very true. I think uh, for 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 Blood Diner, I, I would probably give it a, a ten Jeff Goldblums. I have a possible ten Jeff Goldblums. Um, Excellent. Get eleven if Jeff Goldblum was actually in it. Um, but you know, hey, not all movies can be Transylvania sixty five hundred. That's true. Um, uh, Butcher Boys, you know, I'll give that three cookies out of five. Uh, for me, I'd have to give Butcher Boys. Like I said, I didn't love the look of it, um, but there were certain elements and certain characters that I did enjoy. So I would say I give that movie probably. I would give it um, five. Veal cutlets made out of babies out of 17. Mm. And then I would give... That's a lot of veal cutlets. I would give Blood Diner... Um, uh, I think I would give it eight gut punches to a cop randomly out of 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Well, excellent. Well, those are your movies this week, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us manically ramble about them. Please go track them down. I actually found uh, Butcher Brothers on Amazon Prime uh, streaming, oh, and I you? found um, oh, what the hell was it? There was a there was a channel on Roku that had Blood Diner that I watched for free. So those are the oh. legal options to go watch them. Um, Very nice. I appreciate you uh, the covering supporting- our tricks. Yes, covering our tracks. Yes, yes, please. Um, uh, I'll let you know now. Do go ahead and just plug. Um, so you're going to find um, all of our future updates on both our Twitter at Fright Failures and our Instagram at Frightful Failures. Um, so you get all the links to future episodes and content and all sorts of fun stuff there. So please go follow us on both of those places. Uh, Zach, you got anything you want to uh, plug this week? Uh, let's see. Oh, we just dropped a new uh, Halloween. Halloween uh, merch dump at fullygimmick.com. So you can go to fullygimmick.com and there's a bunch of uh, new Halloween related merchandise that they're making. And also, if you do have a Roku device uh, on B Movie TV, that's where you find most of my reviews and things of that uh, nature and a lot of really, really bad movies, which are a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, B Movie TV, it's for free and it's on Roku. Excellent. Well, um, in that case, we're, we're almost at a wrap-up point. We've got one more little section that we'll get to, but uh, we'll talk about that right after this break. Zach, I'm, I'm glad that we have this uh, break here. Uh, I did want to talk to you about something. So um, something really, really creepy to me happened the other day. Okay. okay. Um, and I need to tell you about it. I need to tell somebody. Okay. Um, so, um, so I was playing Fortnite, and... I'm, I'm pretty close, you know, I'm pretty good. And so I'm like getting pretty close to my victory Royale. And, and then suddenly I hear this guy on there mm-hmm. and he says that he's not a virgin. Whoa. And, and so like, I felt like my heart, like skip a beat. And I was like, well, wait a minute, how's that possible? And, and I, and, and it really freaked me out. And so, but I was like, you know, pe- people talk a lot of trash on there. You know, people tell me what they did to my mom and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I'm thinking he's just joking. And so I'd say, ha ha, you know it. But then Zach, 
he describes what a vagina looks like. Whoa, are you allowed to do that on Fortnite? I I didn't think so either. I mean, so I'm waiting for the mod to like ban him or something, okay? And and I'm getting really scared. I'm like, how is this possible? There couldn't possibly be somebody playing against me. It's not a virgin on Fortnite. And so um he but I'm thinking, okay, listen, calm down, calm down, Tian. Um there's there's got to be an explanation. He just saw one. I mean, if you just Google vagina in a, in a Google, then you're gonna find hit um and so maybe he's just recalling from memory uh, a picture on the internet but then he he describes what it smells like and and i knew then that he he wasn't lying he, he wasn't a virgin and and i knew that he was in the game somehow. He he got into the game. There was a, a non-virgin got into Fortnite. He was playing with me, and he won the victory royale. So, I stopped playing since then. But I'll never forget the day that I met the non-virgin playing Fortnite. What a very timely story. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the show. Yes, please. Well, welcome back, everybody. We've got everything all everything checked off the list. Uh, I hope that that last story uh, sent shivers down your spine and made a little poop come out, I guess. Uh, yes. And so... It sent shivers up my butt. That's intended. And so, speaking of scary stories, we actually have a little bit of a science project here that we're introducing at the end of the show. Uh, it's like the little uh, pre-movies that would play before Mystery Science Theater episodes. Um, we're going to have for you a chapter or two in an ongoing saga led by Mr. Tien Gagnol, uh, based on the game, the conversational improv horror tabletop game, Monster of the Week. And so That's right. we put together this little saga, uh, myself and a few different hunters were all delving into a world created by Tian Guignol, and so you will get to hear a segment of it here and every episode of Frightful Failures, and you'll be able to follow along as we attempt to unravel a mystery in a far-off land and try not to end up just setting the whole goddamn village on fire because we fucked it all up. It's uh, it's uh, certainly that's the most uh, enticing part of the journey is is listening to all of the hunters not botch every single situation that's put in front of them. Um, so so yeah, as Zach said, do make sure to tune in. I mean, obviously, we'd prefer if you listen to the whole episode, but if you you know get involved in the story, you want to just listen to that. It's going to be tagged onto the end of every episode of Frightful Failures. Um, so do make sure to tune into that. Um, eventually, we might put the whole story up, uh, you know, uninterrupted, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it excellent so hope you all enjoy that again feel free to give us any kind of insight or uh opinions on social media and uh thank you for listening to frightful failures i'm zach romero and i am tian guignol and as always continue circulating the tapes in our world, hidden underneath our very noses, are horrors the likes of which we could never imagine. Bloodthirsty beasts, ancient demonic entities, and inhuman abominations plague the world of the living. Luckily, keeping us safe from it all is Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Starring Red Viper. Retired Luchador and the team's de facto leader. Blows in Cincinnati! <laughs> I'm in flex. 
Dr. Xavier Gobblepot, a man of science and action and science. Science is not racist, it is the future. Jeffy, half woman, half beast, and 100% badass. I get the crappy dogs because I'm the failed monster. And Lowe's, a man of limited supernatural abilities and unlimited perversion. Oh. Yeah, thanks, man. That's wonderful. And then I just had to walk away. Join these four monster hunters as they travel the world in search of the strange and unnatural. If you've got a problem that defies explanation, then you better call Team Viper Ghost Patrol. Romanian WrestleFest, Part 1. We open somewhere in Romania. A young girl, perhaps seven, sits by a riverbank. She's plucking flower petals and tossing them into the water, laughing and clapping as she watches the petals swirl around one another. But from a nearby brush, a cracking of branches grabs her attention, and she stands, searching for the source of the sound. Finding nothing, she returns to flower tossing. And as she picks a particularly large daisy and turns to throw it into the water, an enormous shadow spreads over her, blocking out the sun and casting its towering silhouette onto the lake. The girl turns and looks up at the gigantic owner of the shadow and screams! Cut to black. All right, so, um, arriving here is going to be the village of Capcom Raposet. It would be the village in which this uh, horrible atrocity has taken place. And we pick up on our hunters individually for one reason or another coming to the scene. Well, uh, you see a lavishly designed uh, limousine roll into this small village, and I'm sure there's probably... Now, how, uh, how, uh, how villagey is this village? It's very villagey. Um, uh, I'll give you all the, the layout of it sort of prior to you seeing it, I guess. So it's very villagey. It's very third world. It's uh, agriculture based. Um, so almost every uh, house in this village has some sort of a, a farm area or a stable set up behind it. Um, but what I'll tell you right now is that as you come, as you're arriving into the village, one of the first things that's going to catch your eye is that down this winding pathway of all these houses, up another winding pathway up a hill, on the very peak of that hill is a giant gothic castle that just completely contrasts and dwarfs everything else in this tiny little third world village. Uh, so this third world village is right next to one of the bigger cities of Romania, which just got professional wrestling like three months ago. They've just realized it. And so... Uh, Vibora Rojo, the Red Viper, has been um, commissioned to come in for an autograph signing for uh, Romania WrestleFest. And so um, there were no hotels available in the big city. It was a last-minute booking. So he's looking. Um, this is the next best thing. His agent is pretty shitty. And so uh, he's going to take up um, like staying here in Capcom Reposet or whatever the hell it's called. 
until um, I guess he's there earlier in the week. Uh, hopefully, during uh, come the weekend, that's when he'll go to major city in Romania for the actual autograph signing. That's why he's in town. I was also here for Romania WrestleFest. Uh, I came with my good friend uh, Vibora Rojo, and while I was here, I had a strange premonition. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, the premonition that strikes you, Lowe's, as you arrive in this small town, is you see a figure, you can't tell much about them, you only see them from behind, you can't tell if they're man, woman, adult, child, elderly person, and they're... Oh, they're what? Nothing. That's right, nothing. Um, and they're scribbling furiously. That's all you see. As a man of action and science, I've come to this village to see if I can learn from them and their quaint ways, possibly improve what they currently have. Oh, that's you're very... Of, you're kind of racist and bigoted. That's very Mark Zuckerberg of you. Uh, these, these savages, these, let me science to them. Let's see, uh, do you know what a, a hammer is? Uh, I can show you, look, these are tools. You can stick this into an anthill and then eat the ants out of it. Science is not racist. It is the future. I'm simply here to help them. I'm definitely making sure this is science is not racist. <laughs> So I'm walking down the street, um, hanging up my phone, just grumbling, aggravated, just got off the call with the mad scientist that created me. For whatever reason, he sends me to this village in Romania for their potatoes. <laughs> it's the only place he wants them from, and I get the shit jobs. Have, have you been sent on this outing before? And I ask that because are the villagers there like, holy shit, or are they like, Oh, it's Wolfie. We just let him get the goddamn potatoes. No, I have to go there about every month or so. Okay. <laughs> They're familiar with you. There's a lot of potatoes. It, it tickles me pink that, that the dark, evil master for you is almost like an ex-boyfriend or like a boss. That it's like, ugh. <laughs> I get the crappy jobs because I'm the failed monster. <laughs> Alright, excellent. So, um, uh, you all conveniently have arrived in town at right around the same time. Um, and, uh, you know, some of you are sort of recognizing each other. Maybe you haven't seen each other in a while. Um, but as, uh, before introductions can really be made, you're greeted by the mayor of the town. He sort of sees you all arriving and it's, it's a small village, so it's not hard. Um, his name is Dumitru Longo and he's come to greet you all. Now, something I've got to let you know is that, uh, this town, despite being third world, uh, they do obviously have electricity. Uh, they even have cable, but it's super shitty cable. And so they only get uh, reruns of 90s sitcoms and game shows and things. So that's so really, that's the main culture. That, and hence why they just got wrestling. It's 1998. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's the main, uh, that's the main culture that they exist on. So he, he runs up to you and says, hey, hello. Hey, where's the beef? <laughs> you know this? Uh, American? I'm of you? Uh, great. Uh, uh, Dumitru, great to meet you all. Um, I, I must ask, uh, wh wh why are you all arriving in my uh, humble town of Capcom Reposet? And I'm assuming that we all tell him the reasons we just said. Yes, okay. that's exactly right. You all do. Um, <laughs> and he says, okay, very interesting. A lot of uh, conflicting, strange, specific stories. That's good. I have to tell you, though, um, it's... An odd time for you to arrive. I ask maybe you don't make a huge mess around the town because we we had sort of a horrible tragedy just happen. A, a mere uh, 
couple days ago, um, the beautiful young daughter Mariana Serben um, of our family that grows the wheat in town, uh, well, she, uh, she lost her life. Um, we believe it was an animal attack, a, a bear perhaps. Um, but no, no need to bother yourselves or worry about it, you know. They said, don't have a cow, man, <laughs> you know. Uh, hey, hang ten, okay? Um, you can uh, please take residency in our uh, local hotel, uh, motel, uh, Holiday Inn, and uh, and then we will, uh, you know, if you have any the thing you need, don't feel to reach out to me. These references, I like them. Thank you. Hey, I got plenty of them. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, oh, hey, you got it, dude. <laughs> Did I do that? Swing. <laughs> hey, uh, no soup for you. Uh, it's all I got. I got to give him a high five. Oh. Yeah, thanks, man. That's wonderful. And then I just start to walk away. Oh, okay. <laughs> See you later. Uh, my uh, stage manager and I are, are are here for the big wrestling sign show in the big city. Where is the hotel, or closest thing to a hotel, barn, maybe, in this, uh, in this town that we could actually, like, turn in our bags? Uh, it's in, like, a, a hostel, and uh, it will have everything you need. It's uh, right near the entrance here to our little village. Feel free to drop everything off over there. And if there's anything else you need, like I said, I'm here for you. And, you know, I'm the mayor. All right, well, uh, I was going to say, uh, Lowe's and... and uh, the Viper would obviously go over to the hostel. But I feel like there's something weird going on that, like, the mayor would just drop information about somebody dying, like, right on our laps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess to ask the, the storyteller here, um, is this something, uh, obviously this piques some interest. Is this something that we can find out more about, like, at the hostel, or do we need to really grill this mayor to figure out what's going on? There's nothing going on at the hostel. It's, okay. uh, it's just, just a formality. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I'll just drop that in your lap. No, I, appreciate I, I won't give you. I won't make you waste time searching around with a magnifying glass. Right. No, I appreciate that. Is there any other map of the town that we can get a layout of? Uh, sure. It looks like this. All right. Gotcha. Cool. There you go, podcast audience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, Red Viper starts to take a couple steps to the hostel. And then kind of stops and turns back to the mayor and goes, uh, Longo, was it? Longo. Uh, yeah. The girl that you said, uh, died recently. What was her name again? Mariana. Mariana Serpen. A tragedy. Was her family involved in the setting up of the Romania WrestleFest? Oh, gosh, I, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, they're... They're grieving, certainly. I mean, they, they are very handy people. As I said, they, they harvest much of our wheat. Perhaps they provided some of the bread that will be on the, you know, this, the craft services table that's at that WrestleFest. But other than that... The name rings a bell. What what happened with, with Mariana? Because if that ends up throwing off... I just took a very, very long flight to get here. And if this ends up getting pooched... Because of some mysterious accident or whatever, then that's my manager's gonna hear a lot of shit. So, what exactly happened with this girl? 
Listen, I, I, I don't know. It's my place to tell you. You're all strangers. She's half dog or something. I, I don't know that I should just be voluntarily giving you information about this poor young girl's death. I want to manipulate somebody. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Let's roll for it. Okay. Well, wait, who has good... Wait, what does manipulate need? Charm? Charm. Who's charming around Not me? me. Um, Are any of you charming? I'm charming. You're all like... Oh, I'm negatively. <laughs> I'm, this guy thinks these are all savages in this town. I'm, I mean, I'm neutrally <laughs> charming. Come on! Uh, what you, I'm sorry, what? I'm neutrally charming. Well, I happen to be charming as hell. I have a plus Okay, three. excellent. There we go. Very good. So, what do I need? A seven or better? Mm, yes, a seven or better just to get the bare minimum. Got it. So, for an 11 on that, I'll just confirm. I mean, you're pretty much going to get everything you want, but... Um, I like the way that sounds. <laughs> you shall be our negotiator. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a charming, grumpy luchador. Just want to make sure no one thinks I did this. I'm just here. That trying was my to concern help too. Yeah, is like a bear attack, and we have like a kind of bear lady. So I'm like, <laughs> oh god. You certainly, you're not going to win any. Fa I mean, I guess the fact that she's been in this town before will, will, will slightly, but uh, you know, other than that, you're not going to win a whole lot of favors. Um, well, I'm not charming. So, <laughs> so, um, okay. Study so, you for science. So, so what's the now that you've you've got us? Uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say so. Uh, Red Viper kind of grabs the mayor by the shoulders a little bit and just sort of like moves him over so now we've made this like half circle of people okay to sort of like so that we're not just talking out in the open sure yeah so, this so is a little intimidating all right now, yeah now we've got this hit squad okay okay uh, what is your precise question for me here um it doesn't have to be off that sheet you just whatever you specifically want to know right now let's see da, 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 da. so let's see what do we want to know because he said that it was some, so obviously he doesn't know exactly what killed it, killed her, but uh, I guess I want to know. Where did this event take place? Yes, that's concern. There's a lake sort of out past behind this Serban household, and the young Mariana was sitting playing near the side of that lake when she was, uh, you know, killed by this creature. Does he motion towards uh, yes. Jeffy when he says creature? <laughs> uh, no! <yeah>. <laughs> hey! Creature, who knows? Uh, maybe it was a half-woman, half-dog. I, I don't know. Who am I to say? I've been coming here for a year and a half. You guys know me. Okay, yeah, sure. And you disappear with half our potatoes every, uh, every month. It's great. Have the cops done anything on this yet? Cops. Are there cops here? <laughs> Have cops been invented? That's a show that'll be coming to you in the next three months. Oh, yeah, excellent. Um, we, we try to keep everything within the family, and there was no need to get police involved, bring them over from big Romanian city nearby. I mean, why, why do that? We knew it was wild animal. We allowed the parents to take her barrier behind their house, give her putrid peace. And we left it alone. Do animal attacks happen often in this town? You define often. Often enough that this wouldn't be unusual that a girl gets attacked by a wildebeest in the middle of the front yard? Was it unusual? <laughs> Who can say? No? Uh, was it sad? Yes, very! Definitely didn't ask that. Okay, well... How often are people in your village 
attacked by wild animals. Okay, well, let's just say, um, you know, that maybe, uh, I don't know, every few days? Uh, that seems excessive, I gotta be honest. There's a lot of animals around here. Yeah, why are you upset about potatoes? I, I don't I, know if there's I, people around who are going to be able to eat them. Listen, I don't come to your uh, city, tell you how many raccoon you have in your backyard, okay? Look, buddy, a big fucking raccoon killed this girl. Have you seen the raccoons around here? I haven't yet. I'm like big. 50 feet down the road and I call out, All right, I mean, where's the serpent's house? Because right? I'm just walking this way. Uh, it... It's, it's the, the one in front of the, the wheat field, right there. R- right in front of it. Alright, I'll find it. Okay. Like, why, why did that guy just run away? Well, I was going to say, I feel at this point we're all going to just fall. Oh, okay, oh, okay, well, see, see you later. Uh, you know, swing. You know, swing. Okay. Well, are we at the wheat field now? You tell me, are you? Uh, well, we followed uh, yeah. we follow well, Lowe's. We, we head down to the wheat field. What do we see? Okay, so you see um, uh, the Serban household. Um, it's it's merely a field. It's a small field behind their house. There's relatively nothing uninteresting about it. But what you can see from the position you're at now is the home itself, the Serban home. Um, and then you have the lake, and you can see the lakeside in question that uh, Mariana was probably playing at. Uh, anybody inside the household at the moment? Presumably the parents. Uh, knock on the door. You know the Hello. Foley artist for this? Like, I am the Foley artist. Well, edit that in. I okay. It's edited. It's it's in now. <laughs> A horse came out. <laughs> Very troubled looking. <laughs> How does your horse sound less like a horse than the door knock sound? Listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a very this is already a Romanian horse. It's a, it's a Romanian. I regret That's... getting Zach involved in this. I apologize. Okay. Um. So can. so uh, opening the door is um, Nikolai and Joanna Serban, the parents of Mariana. Uh, they they just lost their daughter a couple days ago. They are obviously extremely distraught. Uh, but they address you all, somewhat surprised to see uh, the, the lot of you at their doorstep. Um, Two normal-looking dudes, a half-werewolf lady and a man wearing a mask, like a snake mask. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 We're probably and, hanging back a little bit to let the actual yes. people Let's, let's yeah. say, um, uh, do, you tell me, uh, do all of you, like, side-by-side, shoulder-by-shoulder want to be on this doorstep? Or who's kind of leading the march here to address these grieving parents? Are, are you comfortable with us with uh, splitting up, gang? Sure, split okay. up if you want to. Um, you can cover more ground that way. I'll, I'll knock on the door and handle the parents. I want to go around back to see where it happened. I was just going to say, since I got, I've I got, got the nose. best charm... I might be able to talk us out of shenanigans, so I think Lowe's and I will take yes. the door. Okay. And you guys I also check head out scene. back, study the soil, see take what samples. is going down there. Excellent. Skip around a little bit. Excellent. Okay, so, Jeffy, no. so, so, so <laughs> Xavier and Jeffy, the pun squad, are headed down to the lakeside. So now up to you. <laughs> yes. Which scene would you like to talk about? So let's go ahead because uh, it, it, well, presumably it's going to take him a second to walk down to the lakeside. So let's go ahead and pick up with uh, Red Viper and Lowe's as the door to the Serban household opens. And Nikolai and Joanna, sort of in each other's arms, uh, greet you with... Hello, who are you? 
Uh, and I, I just want to add that my character always or always is that that same kind of like happy Rob Lowe's from Parks and Rec, just all the time. Sure. In your face, like positivity. Positivity. Just sure. Whenever. Sure. Hi, I, I, you know, I heard about your loss, and we're here to help. We don't have a lot of time. This man's very famous behind me, if you can't tell by the mask. But uh, everything will be perfectly, perfectly fine. I promise we'll figure out what to, what happened to your daughter. What, what, what do you What do you mean? We, we know what happened. It was an animal. Some vicious, hungry animal took our poor baby girl and, and took her from us. I, I pull out my sock puppet and use my telepathy to her and say, it wasn't just a, a vicious animal. And then I start to just walk, like I push through them and, and go through the house um, and just start like snooping in on what they've got. So while he pushes through them, uh, <laughs> uh, Viper just real quick, like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Serban, uh, I know this has been a great loss for the both of you. So on behalf of Mayor Longo, uh, they've, the village here in the background. Longo! Right. Where uh, <laughs> Long John Silver has uh, worked alongside the Romania WrestleFest, I wanted to present the two of you uh, front row seat tickets to the show to take your mind off things a little bit. As uh, my uh, stage associate Lowe's has, has mentioned, we're here to just sort of make sure that the area is cleaned up and make sure that you guys are taken care of on behalf of the town. So take these tickets. The show's this weekend, relax. We're gonna just kind of look around just real quick here just to make sure on half of the police. Um, but otherwise, the weekend is yours, you two beautiful people. You know, relax, take your mind off things, and we're just gonna make sure. It's kind of like Make-A-Wish Foundation, but also a cleanup squad. It's like a CSI. Do you have CSI yet on TV? It's gonna be great. It's gonna knock your socks off once it comes out. They, they accept the tickets and they stare down at them completely Perplexed and confused. Is everyone in this village illiterate? <laughs> <laughs> Do they not know what words are? <laughs> they they have Saved by the Bell. They they know. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna investigate a mystery. So you're rolling to investigate a mystery. Excellent. I I do want uh, like on an average roll. I I'm also searching for the underwear drawer. Just <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. I got a five plus two. So, so seven. seven. So you just barely made it. Um, uh, so, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> does he knock something over as he's searching? <laughs> oh God! Never mind. It's he fine. just pulls the whole drawer. <laughs> yeah. out so the you, you uh, find their bedroom. Uh, they have sort of weak. Quick question. While he's doing this, uh, am I? Can I just distract? Mr. and Mrs. Serban, which sure. is wrestling bullshit story. Sure, sure. Uh, why don't you roll? Why don't you roll to manipulate uh, on a distraction okay. though? Because otherwise, okay. they are going That's to. Fair. That's fair. Because yeah. this is, although not out of the realm, but it's mm -hmm. ridiculous to ask these two grieving parents to yes. be focusing yes. on the man yes. rummaging through their house. Uh -huh. So manipulate someone. <laughs> I got plus two on that with a sock puppet. Six, seven, and then eight, nine. Okay, so you're successfully manipulate so them, they, but they are kind of yeah, look over the shoulder tossing rails. their head over their shoulder, like they're very concerned with with what's going on. Um, so meanwhile, um, uh, our barely successful at investigating the home is knocking shit over, <laughs> and uh, and and as he stated, his 
his uh, dark side of his addiction and lack of impulse control has caused him to see out the window of this home and see that there is a large cross, like wooden cross that's been stuck into the ground at the far end of the, the wheat field behind their house. Um, but immediately after seeing that, he finds the dresser and starts ripping the drawers open and <laughs> panties are falling everywhere. Good. Um, <laughs> they're they they're big like grandma <laughs> panties. <laughs> they're not the they're not Mariana's panties. Uh, <laughs> I look at my sock puppet, the podcast, I, we do it. it like shakes its head. Um, so so with the so with with with, with uh, the uh, addiction in you coming out right now, I'm gonna need you to uh, roll to act under pressure to resist the pure impulse of <laughs> yes. what is going on with you right now. I like this a great deal. Mm -hmm. So what's your plus cool? Ooh, yeah. I what's have cool? a three total. After minusing one. Oh yikes! So um, you can you can mark experience because you have miserably failed that roll, and yes. you start loudly uh, picking up the panties and <laughs> snorting um, and just loudly moaning loudly. Um, so what's that? Is this a tie dad? <laughs> it's a tie dad, yeah. Uh, this whole podcast is a tie dad. Um, so you are. So I imagine I'm probably going to have to roll again. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. You're going to need to roll again to really try and distract them because otherwise things are going to go south real quick. I promise. Be a charming wrestler. Mm hmm. Oh, God. Okay. So once again, this is, uh, I mean, you're, they are really trying to, 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 you know, get away. What is that going on in there? Um, you sort of have them distracted. Um, but the thing is, you need to find a way to get him out of the house now without. So, so let's. It's at this okay, time so, that. Right. Xavier and Jeff. Yes, let's go ahead and switch scenes here. In the, in the uh, chaos of happening yeah, in this yeah. scene, uh, let's let's switch over and we see uh, Xavier and Jeffy are down at the lakeshore. All right, I want to roll to investigate. Great. Sniff around. Let me just give you the, the basic scene here. Um, it looks like your average lake sides. The waters are uh, fairly still. You know, not much going on. Maybe you might see, a, you know, occasional fish leap there. This is an agriculture town, obviously. They do fish as well. Um, but not much else you can see. Um, Jeffy, you maybe would notice some semi-irregular markings in the dirt, but nothing that you could really put a pin on until you roll to investigate your mystery here. All right, let's do it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's uh, Ooh, Okay, so 11 on the dot. Okay, 11. So you're technically, I mean, I should be giving you like two big pieces of information on, on kind of what's going on here. Nice. And so that's exactly what you're going to get. So so you see, uh, you indeed can figure out here that uh, there are no animal tracks here. Uh, if there was indeed an animal at this scene that murdered this girl, there were no animal tracks, none. Um, but there are signs of a scuffle uh, that, that this small body has been you know, was dragged or, or, or you know, uh, thrown around in some way um, and then presumably left there to die. Um, but with your excellent role, you find a scrap of leather. 
scrap of leather there at the scene. Any specific type of leather? Like, can uh, we like tell what it is? Leather? Cowhide. <laughs> can we tell what it is at all? Um, you could tell it was probably a strap used um, for something involving... Uh, the human body in some way, like, you know, used to hold a satchel or, you okay. know, as clothing. Um, um, and uh, you can tell that it's, like, rawhide. Do we get a color on that? It's, like, brownish, you know, your yeah, standard brown. kind of leather. Yeah. These are not fancy people. Really nice Martina on it. Uh, yes, <laughs> and there's a Dolce & Gabbana logo on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, uh, great. Uh, action scientists, are you just kind of standing there watching her? <laughs> I'm studying the soil. The ground so is disturbed in an interesting way. Excellent. Uh, do you... Uh... May I ask, is, would this crime scene technically be considered a bad situation or not so much? I would say... A bad situation what in, you the, guys are in the case that? of this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You guys so are in a bad situation. So um, well, I also realized I'm a moron. I should have done, when I walked in the room, I should have done my fan following thing to roll and see if uh, either of them are fans of mine. You should have straight DDT'd one. That might be coming up here. The, the custom yeah. moves, I mean, it's hard for me to track like what your custom moves are. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, just, dude, you're, you're saying we just kill the rest of the family? If you don't wear fucking panties, I don't know if we have any other options. Okay, so I think you've you've you found about all that, uh, and uh, that I'll be honest, it's about all you're gonna find there at the the scene, unless there's anything else you think you want to do right now. Can they visit the burial? <laughs> oh God! And dig that bitch up. Oh, I'll start Dude, digging. I was thinking. Will the team decide to desecrate an innocent young girl's grave? Will Lowe's escape from Panty Heaven? Will any of Mayor Lungo's 90s references catch on? Find out next time on Team Viper Ghost Patrol. <laughs>